Be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen. Go where you are sent. Wait until you are shown what to do. Do it with your whole self. Remain until you have done what you were sent to do. Walk away with empty hands. Good morning, my beloved friends. I begin this morning with these words because I need them. I need them to help me be grounded and clear and compassionate and patient and humble. These words have done all of that for me and more for nearly two decades, ostensibly written by a 16th century Sufi mystic. They have become important companions on my spiritual journey. They slow me down sometimes and fire me up other times. They give me insight into purpose and identity, keeping me out of becoming the center of my own world. Ironically, perhaps, they keep me focused on what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And sometimes, like now, they act like a lifeboat, offering me a way to stay afloat. This past week has been another surreal time of anger and pain and confusion and frustration and despair and heartache. In many ways, it is an extension of last week. Added to the continued challenges of living through COVID-19, additionally, protests around the globe have continued. And the heartache of George Floyd's inexcusable death remained palpable as multiple services were held to grieve not only did the death of a child of God, but to mourn the ravages of persistent racism in our culture. For some, these events have been a crude and rude, shocking awakening. The depraved mythology of America has been exposed. Many of us have been left wondering, where do we go from here? What does all of this mean? Some have speculated, while we have been here before to be sure, maybe this time will be different. Maybe this will be the needed tipping point. Maybe, just maybe, this will be the season of truth-telling and deep, adaptive change. A stripping down and a rebuilding of systems and policies and laws and attitudes all deeply infused with 400 years of injustice and disparity. May that be so indeed. But what do we do now? What do we do here in this community? How do we move forward together as a community of faith in this season? Well, today marks the beginning of a new season in the church, the season that follows Pentecost, or sometimes called ordinary time. It is the longest season of the church year and affords us from now until the start of Advent in November, a significant time to reflect and wrestle with Jesus's ministry, what he taught, how he lived while he was among us. 
what he calls us to do and how to pattern our days and choices as his followers and disciples and apostles. So for the next four weeks, I would like to start this journey of following Jesus throughout his ministry using the framework of four specific questions. It is absolutely clear to me that while answers remain elusive at best, we may find new meaning and strength through a posture of inquiry and curiosity. The questions I'm going to use come from spiritual writer and activist Wayne Muller and his book written years ago, but still so poignant and timely, How Then Shall We Live? Four simple questions that reveal the beauty and meaning of our lives. The four questions he poses in that book have shaped the spiritual journey of seekers and pilgrims throughout time. They are, who am I? What do I love? How shall I live knowing that I will die? And what is my gift to the family of the earth? These questions are seminal questions found at the heart of every human journey. My hope is that we can exercise just a little contextual prerogative, editing them ever so slightly to expand and relate to our communal context. I believe each question seeks to elicit the truth of our most authentic selves and may inform and inspire and challenge us to find a path forward, a path to follow as we make our way in the world together. Doing so gives us these slightly nuanced questions. Who are we? What do we love? How shall we live knowing that we will die? And finally, what will be our gift to the family of the earth? So we begin today with the first question, who are we? Here at Trinity, we use the words progressive, inclusive, creative, and downtown as monikers pointing to at least a partial answer of who we aspire to be. I have said before that these words matter. They matter because for so many of us for so long, these are words we never heard or felt in other religious communities. I am grateful for the centrality they have played over the years, breaking down walls and opening doors and building up a strong community of faith. We have miles to go though, to reflect a more racially and economically diverse community to be sure. I'm just grateful that we do have a strong foundation for beginning. And yet clearly it is not enough. When a downtown ministry does not more closely reflect the demographics of its location, I believe it is incumbent upon us to look deeper and ask some harder questions. So let's begin today with the gospel. Who are we, perhaps, in relation to what we have just heard from the text? As we join the gospel writer of Matthew, we have entered into the story early on in Jesus's <coughs> ministry just after he offers the Sermon on the Mount and is now calling and sending out his disciples out into the world. Jesus is traveling, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and he sees the crowds and he has compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. <laughs> Jesus sees the crowds 
and he has compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. Immediately following that moment of recognition, and I believe inspired by that deep and compelling compassion, Jesus calls, commissions, and then sends out his followers to offer the ministry of love, healing, and reconciliation, sharing the good news. There is no shortage of work to be done. He says the harvest is plentiful. And the work they are sent out to do, he tells them, if we were to read on in the longer passage of this text, will be met with resistance, rejection. But go anyway, he says, go and proclaim the good news. The other important instruction for our purposes of identity today is to listen clearly to where these first disciples and apostles, and the word apostles literally meaning those who are sent, where those first apostles were told to go. They were not instructed to go to the ends of the earth. Instead, Jesus says, go nowhere among the Gentiles, but rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, stay put, stay here, right here, right in your neighborhood, right in your own backyard. Be a force of love, shining light on anything in your own hearts and in the hearts of those in your immediate surroundings that contradict who God is calling you to be. What I hear when I hold this gospel text up to our community and our call and question of identity is a persuasive invitation for us to be the church in Toledo more than ever. For those of us who consider ourselves white to face into our implicit biases and attitudes, and for all of us to be a people who are sent out, sent out into the streets as advocates and instigators and allies and those who aspire to stand and listen and learn and have our hearts broken wide open. To garner the courage it will take to speak up and speak out against white supremacy and racial injustice, whether subtle or blatant. And then grounding our faith and our hope in a God that came to us, in Jesus, igniting a paradigm shift of colossal proportions. So who are we? That question will remain unanswered until we decide who it is that God is sending us out to be. I believe we can be the church, unafraid and tireless and willing to be sent. Now that's some troublemaking gospel talk to be sure, but I think it is what we are called to be and who we are called to be in the world. And, you know, this is really not anything new. It's not a new interpretation of the gospel. I'm reminded that in 1980, Catholic Archbishop Oscar Romero was assassinated while offering mass in San Salvador. He had been a vocal advocate. He had been sent out. He had been an advocate for the poor and the marginalized, and it cost him his life. And while few, if any of us, will ever choose or be put in that position, it is a poignant and dramatic reminder 
to shake us out of our sometimes overly domesticated understanding of what the gospel is calling us to do and how we are called to be as apostles. Before his death, Romero said this about the identity of the church. A church that doesn't provoke any crisis, a gospel that does not unsettle, a word of God that doesn't get under anyone's skin, a word that doesn't touch the real sin of the society in which it is being proclaimed, what gospel is that? Can I get an amen? <laughs> so who are we? I pray to God. I pray to God that at least in part who we are, are people willing to be sent so that we can be the church more and more, a people willing to risk discomfort to speak the truth to ourselves and then to the world, a people willing together to be sent out into the world to confront the sin of racism, a people eager to listen and learn and have our hearts broken open again and again. May we together go where we are sent, wait until we are shown what to do, do it with our whole selves, remain until we have done what we were sent to do, and then walk away with empty hands. May it be so.